Awesome, guys. How's everybody doing? You know what was really cool about worship is something I really appreciate about Kat Blom. She never gets up there without a sword. I love it. Um, she's just got a breaker anointing. She just goes into it. I and mean, you guys don't even know it, but she's breaking stuff off your lives. She's like, just by you guys being here, just by me being here, I know I'm a little bit freer having got this out under Kat. So, um, but during worship, the Lord um, put the scripture in my heart. And um, I want to share it with you guys. You guys kind of probably heard me scream pray it. Sometimes I scream pray. I, I, I remember one time I was at Morningstar. And we were praying, and they handed me the mic, and, I was, and it's not like I, I think I have to, because just because you pray louder, it doesn't mean you have more authority. But I was just, you know, whatever, I get, I get really on fire. Like, I just, I get so full, I can't help it. And there was just a violent atmosphere tonight, and I just wanted to just take the kingdom. And I feel like the Lord really placed that in my heart. So uh, Romans 16, verse 20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Um, This isn't just a, like, passing statement. This is a promise individually and corporately to the entire body of Christ. Uh, The God of peace promises to crush Satan under your feet, which is an important part of that scripture because it's not his feet, it's your feet. So that means that you get to crush Satan and partner with God in doing it. Uh, an in, another interesting part is the fact that he didn't say you're going to crush it with the power of your might or the power of the, his word or, or with your, the, this righteous long sword, but he actually uses the, these words, feet, uh, which I think represent the gospel. It says that we are, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel. So there's something in the times that we're living in right now where the gospel is going to go out and we're going to watch it crush Satan under our feet. And I just want you guys to remember, we're talking about the good news. It's this joyful, um, transcendent news that's better than anything you've ever heard, which is he's rich in mercy and relenting of, of uh, calamity. Um, anyways, um, so tonight I want to talk a little bit about um, what we're talking about. But um, so as you guys know, the Carlsons have taken over the, uh, the, the night watch. If you don't know, you guys should be happy about that. That means we got people in, uh, we have night and day intercession at the house of prayer. So we literally have that flame going up before the Lord um, on a consistent basis. But uh, Sasha and I, or I, and then I asked Sasha, and she's been coming with me every morning. It's been really awesome to watch. Um, but we've begun to take over the AM watch, which, which is really cool because when I was in school, in ministry school in Charlotte, that's actually the same uh, prayer set that I took there. We called it AMP. Uh, like it's amplified, I guess, right? But it's just AM prayer. So it's AMP prayer. But uh, so I've been coming in. I've been arriving at Haas before the sun comes up. And the Lord has been really speaking to me about it. And actually, I needed it really bad because I really began to realize that the enemy had been, it's so subtle, but he had been slipping these little, Chuck, do you really want to sit in a room all day? Chuck, do you really, like, is that really the gospel? Is that really what you want to do? And it was just so amazing that just coming in here for a short amount of time, that, that was completely diffused with a truth from heaven. It's like the enemy will give you a fact, right? But he won't give you the truth. It's like a fact without the nature of God is just a, is a fact. Like the enemy will come and say, hey, you're in sin, partner. It's this. But the Lord, he comes and he makes it a truth by showing you, hey, man, but what, what really what I'm doing is I'm bringing you out. I'm bringing you freedom. So anyways, 
So I come in, and the enemy had been speaking this thing to me, and the Lord gave me a, a short little poem I wanted to share with you guys. It's more of a prayer, but it's how I, it's how I get it. Even before the sun rises, I have risen. In a world still dark, I am the sun. I am a great light, awake before you, God. Shine forth through me. And that came to me as I was sitting in the back corner of this room, and I realized, I'm the sun, like literally. Like before it even came up, the Lord designated me. He's like, Chuck, even before this great ball of fire, I've chosen you to be a great ball of fire and shine light over your city and over your state and over the nation. I just, I got really wrecked by that, guys. The thing, I mean, come on, this is the natural sun. This thing is blinding to the eye. And my father told me, I knew it within the deepest places of my heart that he meant it. Before the sun rises, you've risen. And I think that's even more important when we think about his mercies are new every morning. Even before the, before the sun rises, guys, Jesus is risen. Paul talks about we die daily. Well, you don't just die daily. You're resurrected daily, right? It's a beautiful thing. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. Nation will come to your li- nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Isaiah 60, 1-3. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which knows you not will run to you, because the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, has glorified you. Isaiah 55.5. I'm reading these because I really feel like during that morning watch, the Lord has begun to give me a vision, and not just a vision, really shown me the identity of the, like the DNA of the Dallas House of Prayer. I really feel like these are house words, that he's literally calling us to arise. Like, it's time to arise. Now, I'm not saying that that means you guys have to come out and come to the 6 a.m. prayer. That'd be beautiful. I'd love it if you did. But what he's saying is, guys, it's time to stand up. Sometimes we have to stand up inside of ourselves before we can stand up literally. But there's this thing where we have to stand up um, to, to the voices, to the, the propaganda. I like to call it propaganda from hell. Because the things that you think, those negative thoughts, we so easily um, turn them around and, and we make it, it's, it's us. The enemy tries to get us to believe that it's us. Like, these are my negative thoughts. You know, I keep running to the things that I don't want to do because it's just in me. I, I just, I just, I'm battling this. I'm like uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Part of me is evil. Part of me is good. I got I to gotta run to this, this other bad thing, but I really want to go over here. And the truth is, no, you've been born again. You have a different nature. So it's not that, that you have these two conflicting things. It's that there's this propaganda from hell. So anyways... The Lord's really showing me that during this time, that there, the Lord showed me about a couple weeks ago, uh, that there's this mass mobilization coming over the church right now. We've seen it before, but it's coming again because we've seen kind of like the beginnings, right? We've seen, we've heard words about harvesters being harvested, but then there's another wave coming. You guys are familiar with uh, certain prophetic words about the end of the age uh, that have been given through um, national and international prophets. But there's something coming, guys. Like I said, it's like this release of the gospel that's going to really, really crush Satan. So there's this first thing, arise and shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So what I'm saying is that during this time of mobilization, we not just need, like, we, for survival, I'm not talking about um, literal, like in the sense of, 
and, and it, it's coming there. But just spiritually and emotionally right now, prayer is so essential. It's so essential. And I'm not just talking about on a microphone or when you rock when you do it. I'm talking about that daily thought life with God where you're casting down these negative emotions, refusing to let the enemy say, this is who you really are. Because you've been born again and you have a new nature, a new DNA in Christ. That's the truth. Okay? So behold, you will call a nation. So what I'm saying is, we as a, as a corporate unit here at Haas, we have a, a, a corporate destiny and a corporate purpose. And it's prayer. We know that. God's put a fire in our hearts. If you're here, most likely God has put a fire in your heart for prayer. Honestly. And if that hasn't happened yet, it's because you really are probably enjoying the community and God has given you a burning and passion for family. Because when I walked through these doors for the first time, I met a family that I've never seen before. It was a beautiful thing. Um, so there's, there's this thing that the Lord is really pulling us into here at this house, like where we really become like that Joel 2 army where we walk each one in our own line, but we're unified in prayer. It says, behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which knows you not will run to you, because the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, has glorified you. This verse, oh man, the Lord began giving me this verse, like again, back when I was in ministry school, but I started seeing 555 on the clock every time I would look at it. It would be 555. I was like, Jesus, what is that? He really began to teach me scripture through this. But uh, I would look and I'd see different, like, 111. I'd re- re- realize Hebrews 11.1 1 is the, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. It's faith, right? So Isaiah 55.5 says, Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and nations which, do not, uh, which knows you not will run to you. So, like, here at the Dallas House of Prayer, we have this, it's like, it's like the call, right? It's like this Lou Engel call thing where we have a gifting and anointing to literally mobilize nations. And here, I know that when I look at Tracy, when I look at John, when I look at the people around here, I know that there's a burning for this nation. There's a burning for America. The Lord wants to mobilize us and get us together, together in corporate unity to do what, we're exactly, what I was talking about earlier, to crush the works of darkness. I just, I love that. Like, our destiny is to defeat Satan, to destroy like, there's something militant about that. Do you know that every, um, more than any other name in the Bible, he's called Lord of Hosts. Something like two, 270 plus times, God of Armies is mentioned. So that means when you, if you just prayed like, I heard Jason talking, Jake, Jake Hamilton talking about it the other night. If you just prayed that, you know, prayer, awesome, that's a good thing, but you have to know you just, you just were, you were just enlisted into an army. And there's grace for it. I love how he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Grace has just become a word, guys. We've become really familiar with it. Not just a word. It's the thing that, that parted the Red Seas. It's the thing that is going to move mountains literally in the days to come. He said it was mustard seed-like faith, the tiniest of faith. So anyways, uh, what, I, what I really want to talk about is just some of the things I've really been feeling for the house some of the, like, the things for right now, the prophetic now things that I've been noticing. Um, and so if you go on into Isaiah 6, or Isaiah 55, verse 6, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. We've heard this stuff. But I read it in the Amplified, and I just really liked it. It said, Seek, inquire for, uh, seek, inquire for, and require the Lord while he may be found. 
claiming him by necessity and by right, call upon him while he is near. Guys, that's right where we're at right now. There's been this, if you, like I said, if you're familiar with the words, the words that have gone out is that there's a harvest coming, right? The end of the age. Jesus called it the end of the age. Well, we've seen through at least this nation, but all over the globe, there's been this massive, more now than ever in, in history, there's, people have been coming to the Lord. And we've seen this massive wave coming of really the laborers being harvested. But there's been this kind of ebb, right? We've kind of experienced it here in the, the past few months, past couple of years. There's been this like spiritual ebb, right? And uh, I've heard it through different other, like Rick Joyner out in Morningstar, he, he really kind of enlightened me to this. He said that there's a tsunami coming. He had a vision uh, in a book he wrote in 1985 or 87 called The Harvest. And anyways, there's this wave coming. What's really interesting about tsunamis is there's this massive ebb that goes out, and you can actually walk on the ocean floor. And it kind of just leaves people kind of just like staring and gawking, kind of like, oh, what's happening right now? And that's exactly where we've been. We've kind of been staring, going, man, what's, I thought there was a, like a third great awakening coming. I thought like we've had all these words. I mean, right, the, the, the hearts of the fathers turning to the sons and the sons of the fathers, and there's supposed to be this great mighty army and, and all this stuff, but it's because we've been in this place, this ebb is coming, and literally the wave has been building up, and guys, instead of staring at the ocean floor, we have to look to the ocean, to his presence, and watch the wave as it comes in, because if we don't see it and get positioned for it, it will consume us. That's not a fear word. That's a, Jesus is coming Come on, that's the greatest news ever. Like, all you have to do is take your eyes off of everything that is distracting and just put them back on the ocean. Put them back on the, the, the ocean of his presence. Just get focused on Christ and watch. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're positioned in him. And I'm telling you, when you're positioned in Christ, there's nothing to fear. Um, I have, I mean, as of right now, I mean, you know, I always will say, like, I can, the more as revelation comes, but as of right now, I have no fear of the tri tri tribulation because I know that when I abide in Christ, when you're in him, like this is the man that took hammer and nail in his hands for us. He was resurrected. He was beaten, wounded for our transgressions, you know, raised from the dead, walked on water. I just, as of right now, I don't, I don't fear that stuff. And I don't imagine that I will. You know, I've, I've got too many amazing stories in my Bible that tells me I don't have to. I got up here today and I wanted to cut giants' heads off. That's what I felt. In the overwhelming atmosphere of the worship tonight, I felt giant head lopping off type anointing. That's what, that's what we're called to do, guys. And for some of us, you know what that looks like? It looks like rest. You know what I mean? So it's like we hear like this stuff about, oh, we're an army, and we get so, oh, we, get, we get into strife. We get into, not strife, striving. We get into like, you know, believing we have to do it on our own when, we, when you know, uh, Zechariah tells us not by might or by power, but it's by the Spirit. We see, we compare ourselves to other people who seem to be running a thousand miles faster than us, and we think, well, I gotta, if I'm not running like that person, I'm not really running. The Lord may have you in a place like in, in uh, what is it, First or Second Samuel, where, you know, the army came, they kind of pillaged David's men. I think they even took their wives and some of them were too tired to go, right? And the, but it was like David and some more, they, they could go. And it's like, you, you always wondered, like, why did the people who stayed back still get the reward? Because rest is warfare too. Right? So, 
I'm going to go back to. So in the, in, during the AM prayer, like, he really just showed me that I got to partner with him in releasing light over the world. And that's what we're doing right now. Like, as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we're partnering with him. We're partnering with the Son. I really like um, uh, Proverbs 4.18. I'm going to turn to it because I didn't mark it in here. You guys can too if you want. It's really beautiful. How many times have we, like, we've gone through, I know, man, I know, I know really angry Christians. And I know, like, I've been a really angry Christian. Like, that's not our portion. We're heirs. Like, the, that's the root word of inheritance. Our inheritance is to be so full of joy, so full of compassion, so full of mercy, and if we have anger, it's anger toward the works of darkness, not towards our brothers and sisters. Jesus said, if you have hate in your heart towards your brother, you just, you've murdered him. Guys, if you could peel back the veil spiritually right then, you'd see you were putting daggers in his heart. Literally. Curses. So like Proverbs 4, 18, it says, uh, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. How many of us, that, that, that does not re, like represent our life, well, not represent, but it's not manifest in our life, where our life doesn't feel like it's becoming brighter and brighter. Sometimes it feels like it's become more cha- chaotic and confusing, and every time I turn around, I feel like I, I just stepped in a, a puddle or, or a hole somewhere, but the Bible says that the path of the righteous, Jesus has made every one of you righteous through his cross. Just like Anne-Marie said, he said, be perfect. I heard Graham Cook the other night at the upper room talk about uh, where the Lord said, be holy as I am holy. And he totally flipped your perspective on it. He said he wasn't telling you, hey, guy, be holy. It was like he was giving him a gift. Hey, be holy as I'm holy. The same thing. Be perfect as I am perfect. Be righteous as I am righteous. Guys, we are the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So our path should look like, I watched it. I couldn't even stay in the prayer this morning, prayer room this morning. I was so full of God, I had to go outside and watch the sunrise. I had to get a visual, he had to teach me visually, Chuck, this is what you're doing every morning. And it was bizarre, it blew my mind. God, you mean I shine like that? I sent a tweet on Twitter. Guys, I love Twitter. If you don't use Twitter, you gotta get on there. It's like four, it's like four second revelation bombs that are hitting you in the face like every second you look at it. Not to mention, like, there's really good news stuff on there, too. But, um, <laughs> so, um, what I, 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 put, I sent this Twitter update, and I said, um, ah, I took a picture of me, and the light was shining on my face, and I was like, I sent the picture of it, and I said, um, I get to shine brighter than this. What's your job description? Is that awesome? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> So our path, guys, it's this path of righteousness that shines brighter and brighter. And guys, if it doesn't feel like that, there's good news. There's really good news. It means we get to repent. And repentance, we got to totally change our perspective on repentance. If, you, if your idea of repentance is penance, I got to beat myself up a little bit because, well, the cross isn't really good enough to do it. That is, that, is, that is an affront to Jesus, and you're saying what he really did, it just it wasn't good enough, and you got to do it yourself. 
Our whole view of repentance has got to be transformed. Paul said we're being renewed in our mind. Jesus, what he's doing is he's basically showing us, he's, he's renewing our minds to see that you've been born again. That old thing is dead. It's been dead. Let it be dead. Quit digging it up. And then we realize, and then he just starts speaking of you're the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we go back, man. We turn around. That's what that repentance is. We go back. Okay, if, the, if the, the path of righteousness is like the light of dawn, where did I get off this path? What did I do? Did I judge this person? Did I judge my leader? Did I judge my best friend? Did I, you know, you know whatever. Was I rude to my boss at work? Go back. Hey, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't realize that even though you're not a perfect boss, don't tell him that, that I'm supposed to honor you anyways. That's what David did. So we get to partner with the son, and I mean that literally and spiritually. We get to partner with Jesus, but he's asking us, and he's inviting us. And I want to invite you guys for AM prayer. He's part, we get to partner with the son. Come on. What's your job description? You know, if you think intercession, if you think the Dallas House of Prayer or the prayer movement, it's just sitting in a room, I'm really wanting to ask you, what's your job description? Because I know people that, you know, not it's a bad job, but come on. Like, I know people who are really bored at work. I get to be the son. So we're partnering with the son. We're rising up. The brightness of his rising. Jesus, release us as the brightness of your rising. And we're getting to release that light over the whole earth, over this nation. God, right now, I command light over Dallas, Texas. Because I am light. There's, and, <laughs> come on. He said it, and he goes, I am light, and in me there is no darkness at all. I've been born in him. So what does that mean? I am light, and in me there is no darkness at all. I don't even hesitate to say it. But what the enemy would do, he'll go, come on, Chuck, but what about that time you did that thing? And I'm like, no, I am light, and in me there's no darkness at all. You will not release hell's propaganda against me. So I'm praying with the Lord. Um, I guess it was October 4th when I wrote it in here. But I'm praying with the Lord. I couldn't go to bed, and that's not something... Not super normal for me. Like, I'm not one of the guys who, like, wakes up in the middle of the night and prays. I remember when I was comparing myself to other people that did, that I would try it. Like, Come on, Lord, why aren't you waking me up in the middle of the night? And why aren't we praying all night? And I was, he was like, well, maybe I just want to give you dreams. Um, but uh, this night, I just couldn't go to bed, and I sat down, and I started just listening to some music. And it was, guys, I just want to let you know, he showed up. It was like, I could tangibly feel the Lord just listening to a CD with me. Isn't that awesome? He just wanted to listen to a CD with me. Next thing I knew, I was in a vision. How cool is that? So I just wanted to share this because I really feel like there's some corporate stuff that, guys, if you could, if you could just hear me, we can catch it and run with it together. Okay. So um, what I saw, and this goes along with um, Isaiah 60. Uh, as far as the deep darkness covering the earth. Like, that's a prophetic word. So I saw a vision a few days ago, and, and I'm just going to read it basically uh, verbatim out of my notes. Um, so I saw the vision twice. I saw the vision, uh, actually, I saw the vision once, recorded it, uh, and then I saw it again. Uh, and I saw what I saw was these large black cubes, almost like cubes of ice, but instead of, uh, like, it was just, they were literally, like, emanating darkness. It was like they were, like, they were just, just dark. And um, and I saw them, and they were being they, they were being stacked up, and they were like building this like mountain or like a pyramid kind of like shape. 
And, uh, and later I realized what the Lord showed me, um, but I heard the Lord say, the darkness is rising. Uh, and I saw him the, for the second time, and what he showed me, and this is just this is just perspective, okay? Like what he showed me was that these were actually um, it was the the entertainment mountain. If you guys have ever heard of like um, like like a sphere's teaching, your sphere of influence, or like a teaching on the seven mountains of influence, this is just like part of that, okay? Uh, I felt like he showed me that these these, these blocks or these things that were emanating this darkness um, that they were pe- like it was like a it was like a mountain. It was like this entertainment mountain. And then I kept looking, you know, in scripture, when uh, he would ask, like, one of the prophets, he would say, uh, look again, like, what do you see? So, like, that's a, that's a lesson for us. We don't have to wait for him to tell us that. Just begin to look, and you'll start seeing things. Um, so I began to look, and I started seeing that the, the cubes, these blocks, were actually televisions, and that's how I knew it was the entertainment mountain. Uh, and I started to see these white arrows uh, fly through these television screens, and they just started busting out these TV screens. And I knew the Lord was releasing the youth to destroy, like not destroy, but to break what we've always known entertainment to be. Like, you know, he's going to do it in the art. Like we have the arts night coming up. It's like arts, uh, obviously like media. I really felt like the Lord wanted to release that tonight. Like there's people in here tonight even that you're called to influence media. And <laughs> even if you're not a youth, like uh, Isaiah 40 uh, verse, um, is it Isaiah 40? Gosh, I don't know. It says like our youth is renewed. Like we, we soar on wings as eagles. Okay, so this is still for, this is for all of us because it's perpetual youth in the kingdom. Um, so anyways, I saw this grow and I saw these, these, um, these arrows being released. And I just really feel like there's a part in, in this church that the Lord's really releasing us to take over this, this mountain, this area of media, um, and, and really just influence it. And also he wants to use the, use the youth to do it. Uh, and I really, I really like the way I wrote it down. I said, the arrows shattered the black screens of the television, releasing an electric shockwave in heavenly places, which is intercession too. The youth would then ride in the momentum of this electric wave of influence. It is a wave of an electric influence and entertainment. And then what I really felt like the Lord was showing me with this electric, like I literally saw like uh, kind of like uh, electricity going through power lines. And I felt like what he's saying is, it's Chuck, it's like, um, it's this trendy aspect. This, uh, this thing that's so catchy that, and it's so full of life because it's me that it's just going to go everywhere. You guys like the life tape thing, right? You guys saw that? The media, it exploded on the media. It was from a dream. A guy had a dream, red tape on his mouth, God and abortion. And there's something happening again where the Lord is ready to release these arrows into these TV screens. It's going to shatter the way that the, the, the entertainment mountain thought things were done. And it's going to be so trendy that it's just going to catch on. Um, okay, so that's, a, that's one vision that I had recently, and I also want to share um, one more that is on my phone, but I can probably just do it. Um, I was in the prayer room. I was up here praying. There was no one here, and um, I began to see, I began to see uh, this, this pawn. And I was staring at the pond, and I realized that there was just a small boat, kind of like what you would imagine in one of the Gospels, Jesus standing in and preaching. There's a small boat, and Jesus was in the boat fishing. And I looked at him. He had this big smile on his face, and he just waved me over. Didn't say anything. He just waved me over. And I'm like, awesome. I'm going to go fishing with Jesus. And come on. We already know what that's talking about, right? So I go over. I get in the boat. and uh, Let me pull it up just so I don't, uh, don't uh, miss it too much here. 
but I get in this boat, and my phone's frozen. I get in the boat, and uh, he's teaching me about fish. He asked me a question. He goes, Chuck, uh, what do you think about the fish? And I said, well, Lord, uh, kind of sticky, kind of slimy. I don't really like touching them. Uh, you know, I don't really like putting the worm on the hook, and I don't really, you know, I don't really want to put the hook in the fish's mouth. Um, but basically, as I was having that conversation with the Lord, I really began to see what my perspective of, and honestly, to be honest, like, I feel like I have a pretty good perspective of the world, like, sinners. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, like, I can, um, I can hang out with them without treating them like they're trash. That's how I feel. But now I'm realizing that there's still this thing in me where I feel like, man, Lord, you know, you know, maybe this person I can, I can minister to without judging him and, you know, thinking, well, he's just, he just needs to change and do a bunch of stuff to make himself better instead of just telling him about the cross. But then, but then there's this person over here who I'm kind of like, wow, man, that, that person's hard to love. They're kind of slimy. They're kind of sticky, and I don't really know if I want to touch them. Um, and then he, as I began, started, I started to think about the hook. I saw the Lord, like, say, well, you can use a net. You can use a net. And then I started thinking about that verse in, um, in, you know, in the Gospels where Peter, you know, they, they've been out all night and they throw the net on the other side, right? And this huge catch is coming. You really don't. So I saw Jesus in a little fishing boat. He called me out to him. Uh, he asked me what I thought about the fish. I just like I told you guys, I thought they were kind of gross and slimy. Uh, then I noticed, okay, this is a part that I forgot. Uh, then I noticed they began jumping in the boat. I was shocked when I noticed this because I should have already seen it. It's like I saw the fish. They just began jumping in the boat. And then all of a sudden I was hit with, why didn't I see that? Like I was looking, but I didn't see it. And it was like, guys, right now, he's saying, they're jumping in the boat. Change your vision. You got to start beginning to see it. They're ready. Like the harvest is white, right? So they're jumping in the boat. A few Sundays ago, probably about a month ago now, our, the Lord gave me a prophetic word, and he gave me the word uh, windfall um, and bonanza. Uh, the word windfall literally means that the wind blows, and it, the, the wind blows with such force that it knocks the fruit out of the tree, and you can just go and just pick it up. And that's the kind of, what we're, when we're talking about the harvest, that's the kind of harvest we're talking about. The spirit, when we, when we work not by might or by flesh, but by the spirit, there's a windfall that the fruit just falls in your laps. And that doesn't matter if it's, whether you're talking about evangelism or if you're talking about favorite your work, okay? It's literally this thing where all of a sudden the fruit just begins to fall in your lap. Um, so then like, Right after that, uh, so I'm thinking, I'm, I'm watching, and I'm seeing this, uh, the net, and I'm thinking about the story uh, in the gospel, and then all of a sudden I see Santa Claus, and I see Santa Claus with this huge bag of presents, and it's so big that he can't carry it. He's bent over at his waist, and he's like struggling, which when I think about it, it's probably what Jesus looked like on the cross when he was holding the cross. But I saw that, and the Lord said, he's Chuck, he's not carrying presents, he's carrying presents. That, and, and the reason he showed it to me as Santa Claus is not Santa Claus, it's Santa Haas. And during Christmas, I really believe during Christmas, like around that time, we're going to see a move of the Lord in this place that's going to be so big we can't even carry it. Just like Peter, James, and John and all these guys in the boats, we're going to have to call out to other fishermen, hey, we need your help. The presence is so big we can't carry it. The revival's so huge. Come to our boat. We're going to have to start swimming. The fish are just jumping. Jumping in. 
So <laughs> I just looked at my phone and it says, Santa Claus coming this Christmas. <laughs> like a movie. So you can buy your ticket online at fandango.com. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, and then I just, I just wanted to talk also just, just about spiritual warfare. And like, I really feel like right now, like, I know that I have been, but I feel like all of us have been in, in experienced like increased warfare. And um, it's not been easy, and it never is supposed to be. But the thing is, he always said that there's grace. There's literally grace for endurance. Um, uh, he, he, he gave me this word once. Guys, I was in a writing internship, so uh, I, love to, I love to kind of imagine and dream with the Lord in, in words. And I thought about a, a line in a book that I would write where the, the main character would be this little girl. And the fa- her father was kind of just bent over talking to her. And, and she's crying. And he says, baby, you know, it's okay to cry as long as you're moving forward. And that's exactly how our spiritual warfare has to be. Like, it's okay to cry. It's okay to be afraid. I'm not saying you stay that way. But as you move forward, it begins to break and fall off of you. That little girl, I could just imagine her. I've done it. I remember, um, actually, the week that I gave the prophetic word about the windfall, all of a sudden this anxiety started, like, this overwhelming anxiety came uh, over me. And I was just like, it doesn't matter. And all, you know what I was afraid of? It's so silly. I was just afraid of talking to John. You guys, who's ever talked to John? He's like the easiest person to talk to on the planet. And I was just like, man, I'm kind of scared to, to, uh, to tell him, hey, I feel like I have a prophetic word. Can I share it? But you know what I did? I just, I got to. I got to. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't let myself turn around. So guys, it's okay. Just keep going forward. Like right now, because of what's happening, because of this mobilization, there's all sorts of stuff manifesting. There's, there's, um, like our hearts are manifesting, the, the, the thoughts that we've believed are manifesting. And like I said, the enemy just wants us to really believe that that's who we are. And right now, the Lord is changing our perspective. It says in Ephesians that we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That means, guys, we have a perspective. We have a, a grid on things. We have a view of things that are so much different um, than the world's, than the enemy's. Like uh, a Jonathan David Helser song says, from up here... Our problems are so small. From up here, our enemy is so small. And that's the truth. From up there, gosh, even fear of the tribulation or uh, my apathy or my bad habits that are really just me believing more in my old nature than my new nature. They're so small. And then as we just begin to continue taking one step forward after another, we start realizing, man, I'm freer than I, I was a week ago. I'm freer than I was a month ago. As I got uh, reborn again in 2007, that's not that long ago. The Lord's like put me in a slingshot. And I've, I've noticed that I'm freer than I've ever been. I was addicted. I was messed up in every which way but loose. And he, he pulled me back. Another thing, guys, during, like, during warfare and even... In our Christian walk, it's like when you give your life to the Lord, you know, like he came for you, right? Like you know, like even in the midst of all your sin, like he, he knew and he didn't care. He was like, I loved you. You were messy. You were like a baby with dirty diapers. and I picked you up and I love to clean it. I love to clean up your mess. That's a prophetic word. He loves to clean up your mess. 
But it's like all of a sudden we get saved and we feel like, I, sh- I shouldn't do that anymore. I should be perfect. And it's like, all of a sudden we forget that he's still chasing us and he still loves to clean up our mess. He still, has, he still forgave us on the cross. I remember thinking about that. Lord, why did I ever, after I got saved, think you stopped running hard after me? Like just because now that I'm running with you, you somehow slowed down in your pursuit of me. Guys, that's spiritual warfare. He's not slowed down in his pursuit of you. He loves you with his whole heart. He, he didn't love you. This is a Graham Cook quote. He didn't love you more when you began to do better. And he didn't love you less when you were all messed up. He loves you just because he loves you. And he can't do anything other than that. It's his nature. Like, um, you know, like a bird. They just, they just fly. It's what they do. I remember asking the Lord. I was in the ocean once, and I saw these seagulls uh, flying over me. And I remember thinking, Lord, it's like the Lord, he'll speak to you by just implanting thoughts. If you don't realize that's him, you need to start. Don't, don't like... Don't like feel bad for saying the Lord spoke to me because He did. Just because it's your thought, He's speaking to you. But I started thinking, man, God, those animals—they have—they have—they have, uh, they have a, like uh, a um, a nature. They have a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, an instinct. They have these instinctual things about them. Survival, we have it. Come on, like survival is instinctual. Love, acceptance. Wanting to be loved. These are instinctual things. But guys, when we were um, born into sin, when we lived under that yoke of the curse, we had a whole different set of instincts. Our instincts were literally to run after ungodliness. It was purely selfish motives. But when we were born again, guys, weapons of our warfare here, when we were born again, you were given a whole new set of instincts. It's more normal for you to run to the cross than to run away from it. It's more normal for you to pray than to sit in the midst of turmoil and be silent. You just have to, even though it feels scary, take that one step forward. And the more you do it, all of a sudden you realize, oh, wow, I really am. I was made for war. I was made for war. And like I said, in this season, I really feel like a lot of us, you know, are experiencing this warfare. But we feel like, you know, it says, be not weary in well-doing. There's this weariness coming over us. And I really feel like the Lord's saying, guys, spiritual warfare for you right now is just like back in First and Second Samuel or wherever it's at, where he said, you know, you guys can stay here and rest and you're going to reap the same benefit. There's some of us in this room and, all, you know, really just everywhere where our spiritual war right now is peace, it's rest, it's abiding in him rather than trying to figure it all out. Proverbs, right? Lean not on your own understanding and every way acknowledge him. So, you know, sometimes my warfare is even this. Sometimes the voice will be, man, you should be praying right now. I feel like sleeping. Go to sleep. Don't don't yoke yourself with a religious mindset that says, I can't sleep. He wants us to sleep. Uh, Psalm 127 says, even though you sleep, your heart is, or no, no, wait. That's another one. Uh, Psalm 27 says, uh, I love to give uh, rest to my beloved. Uh, that I give it to him even in his sleep or even in his rest. And that's a wonderful thing. So um, 
I really feel like that there is this mobilization, there's this call to arms that the Lord's releasing. But I also want everyone to know that it looks different than, it looks different on a moment by moment and different for every person. You just have to ask the Lord, how do I fight this fight? How, how do I raise my sword here? Um, I think there's a picture that the Lord gave me a while back. Um, and who, who has ever heard of uh, like um, opposing shield walls? It's like a, it's a it's a militant term from like back in you know the English days where they would fight with armor and swords and shields. But basically, it's like a um, offensive and defensive line in football where these these huge guys with shields and they were in a pushing match. And that's what this, like the kingdom of heaven against the darkness is like. Cat, where are you at? How many times in worship have you felt exactly what I'm talking about? It's a big pushing match, right? Because you're locked in. You're locked into this shield wall, and the Lord is asking us, guys, will you lock your shields with us? You know? And if not, go lock your shields where he's calling you to lock your shields. Because we have to push back. He said that um, if you resist the enemy, he'll flee from you. And in this season, guys, he's saying, lift up that shield of faith. Lift it up. And the, the longer you hold it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, really, kind of the last thing I want to talk about, which I know it's kind of early, but uh, I want to talk about Moses a little bit, and I want to talk about, like, the weapon of our warfare. Uh, we see in Exodus, we see Moses given a staff, or he has a staff. God tells him, he says it multiple times, so wonderful. We're crying out to the Lord, and then the Lord says, but what do you have in your hand? So again, it's the same thing, not just God of peace, come and destroy my enemies for me, but he said, God of peace is going to come and do it through you. He's going to crush Satan under your feet. So he looks at Moses uh, in Exodus, and he's at the burning bush, and he goes, what's that, what's that staff in your hand there? And he, Moses is like, I don't think anyone's going to believe me. I'm staring at a, you know, the angel of the Lord speaking through this, and I'm still doubting. And he throws this staff down, and it becomes a serpent. What's really interesting, when he throws the staff down, if you keep reading in different places, like in Numbers 21, I think it's number 20, Numbers 21, 6, you see Moses erecting this bronze serpent, right? And there's these little uh, fiery snakes, like, attacking their feet. But when everyone looks at the serpent, they get healed. And here in, 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 in Exodus, during the Exodus, the staff, this stick, this piece of wood that represents a tree, turns into a serpent. And then it defeats his enemy. It's not just like a shepherding staff, it was literally a weapon. So our ultimate weapon of warfare isn't just this staff which represents authority and all these vague things, it's the cross. That staff was a type and picture of the cross. That Moses, you look at it, look, I mean, I really recommend, like, go look at it through the scripture. He, like, throws the cross down at the accuser's face, and all of a sudden, it's like, the, you know, the serpent, when you think about that, when it, it's erected in the wilderness, it's a picture of Jesus taking the curse for us. That's what the cross was. So anyways, our ultimate weapon of warfare, it's where our perspective is. Are our eyes on the cross or are our eyes on us? And when we lift up the cross, what happened when, Moses, what's in your hand? Stop, Lord literally said, uh, stop crying out to me. It's uh, Exodus 14. Um, Maybe not. Yeah. Anyways, uh, he, he, he said, stop crying out to me. 
And then Moses lifts up the staff, and the seas are parted. And then there's that song of Moses, right? And then the Lord does the work for him, and the, the Red Sea is crashed over. The, the song of Moses is so wonderful. Horse and rider has been thrown into the sea. This is, this is like a war epic, this song. And Exodus 15.3, it's the first place you really see a part of the nature of God. It says the Lord is a warrior. In Jude, we see the Lord fighting for us, rebuking Satan on our behalf. Michael said to, to Satan when they were arguing over the bones of Moses, the Lord rebuked you. Guys, come on. Who better to fight for you than the king of kings and lord of lords, the captain of the host, who has a sword that extends from his mouth? This, this man, he's not playing games. He loves us with an everlasting love so much that he will fight for you right where you're at. Fight for your heart. Fight for your emotions. Fight for your freedom. Fight for your mind. Um. Jesus, he talks about it in the Gospels. He talks about um, that staff. He said, you know, just like everybody staring at it, that's exactly what I'm going to be like. You guys, if you look at me, that's where your salvation, right? Those who look to the hill, see where their hope comes from. We see, he also said in another place, he talked about the sign of Jonah. And he said, like three days, he's like, this generation, they're constantly seeking this sign. He said, but for three days, you're going to see me. Well, he didn't say it like this, but for like three days, Jonah was in the belly of the whale, right? And just like that, Jesus, three days was in the grave, and he was resurrected, and he fought for us, set the captive ones captive. He went into hell and demanded. He said, I want my stuff back. And Satan had to give it over. See a really interesting picture in the book of Jonah. After Jonah, if you guys read Jonah, you're going to see... He's, been, he's being taught the entire time compassion. He actually says to the sailors on the ship that he's on, on his way to Tarshish, they say, you know, who is your God? He says, I fear the Lord God of, uh, who made the, uh, the sea and the dry land, or however it says it. So we have this picture that he actually has this understanding of the fear of the Lord. But if you see that, he also is lacking a true living understanding of God who's rich in mercy. He's missing the compassion. He says it with his mouth, but he doesn't know it for himself in his own heart. If you watch every time, even in his own failures, his, his reaction is shame. When you know the compassion of the Lord, you don't react out of shame. You say, no, he's compassionate towards me. He's rich in mercy, slow to anger. He quotes Moses' encounter with God on the mountain. He said, the Lord spoke to Moses. He said, I'm slow to anger, rich in mercy. No, or Jonah even said, God, I knew you to be a God relenting of calamity. But he still judged the people. He even, he even um, didn't do what he was called to do, at least part of it. The Lord said, hey, you know, this has happened. I want you to go shout to these people and tell them, in 40 days, guys, it's coming. But he doesn't give them the other half of the message, which is you can repent. In Jewish tradition, it's, all, it's known. That Jonah totally exnayed that part of the message. And that's why he was bitter. If you, re if you read Jonah, the book of Jonah, it's very obvious. I, he said, I knew you'd be rich in mercy, relenting of calamity. But God, I, I thought they were kind of sticky. I thought they were kind of slimy. 
I didn't know if I really wanted to touch them. You know that Nineveh was a fishing, like, import? They smelled like fish. So what you see is you see Jonah literally encounter hell two times. For real, for real. Like, for real, for real, Jonah encounters hell two times in that story. It's not just a, a, a Sunday school story. The man that I saw the roots of mountains, he was in visions. He said, I cried out from Sheol. The guy was having an encounter. The Lord was literally showing him, Jonah, Jonah, man, if you just knew, if you just had compassion, man, these people wouldn't have to experience what you're experiencing right now. You've been experiencing this, man. You cried out from the pit, but still you wanted. And then again, you know, he, he gives the message. And then we know from the king down to the goats, they repent, right? Without Jonah saying a thing, they're just like, man, this is coming. Do something. Like, come on, I don't want to die. Let's do something. So from the king down to all the animals, they repent. And God has mercy. And I love their answer. They said, who knows? Their answer was, who knows? Maybe he'll relent. I think that's the answer in America right now. Who knows? We think, like, we can just chalk it up. All right, well, Lord, you know, it's supposed to come, so just let it come. I'm saying, who knows? He's rich in mercy. His loving kindness is everlasting. Um, you see him, Jonah goes and he sits on a hill, and he's kind of like, I kind of see him, like, kind of like hoping. Really hope that this place gets burned up. Like, that's kind of his heart. But you see, like, over the night, this little plant grows up, right? And it shades him. And it says that Jonah was exceedingly happy. He loved this little plant. It's the cross, guys. The cross. This little plant is a picture of the cross. We see in what? Genesis, we see two trees. Tree of knowledge of good and evil and tree of life. When you read the scripture, you will see those two trees grow up. You can follow it. You can watch the fruition of it. So we see the cross. We see like that little, that little seed, that little righteous plant, that little shoot of David covering Jonah. But then what happens? It withers. And then he's, and he's bitter again. And he says more than once, he says more than once, each time he says, death is better to me than life. Jonah wasn't just asking God to kill him. Jonah's heart was being manifested and he was actually saying, God, in reality, death is better than me, to me than life, so release it on these people. God, this cannot be our heart as a prophetic people. We have to come in agreement with the fullness of the Lord, which is, yes, he is the God of vengeance. He is the, the fear of the Lord. Like, guys, that calamity can happen. But guess what? My Bible in Joel 2 says that I can return with all my heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. And the next thing I know, he's relenting of calamity. It's a prescription. It's divine. It's the most beautiful thing I think I've seen in Scripture. To watch Jonah learn from the Lord. To watch even, even the judgment that was coming on Jonah in the Scriptures. It was like watching the most tender father teach his son. Because as this, uh, this plant withers, this scorching heat comes, and Jonah is, like, again, face first in his second encounter with hell. This burning wind, and God's, it's like God's saying it. And if you can see it, it's like God's saying, Jonah, you don't want him to live. You don't have to. You don't have to. Your feet can run swiftly. You can, you can release that message of the gospel. You can say, hey, guys, he's coming. You people who smell and stink like fish. You people who I'm afraid to touch. I don't even want to hug. Come on, we got to repent. We got to repent. So 
What's really interesting is what the father says to, to Jonah about this little plant that uh, represents the cross. He says it, it, it says, he says it grew up, it grew up overnight. And then he says it also withered overnight. But what's really cool is what that literally means. It actually, the words that it literally means, he said it grew up a son of the night. Come on, guys, Jesus became a son of the night on your behalf so you didn't have to. He took the curse for you so you didn't have to. He got on that tree, and everything that was meant for the world was put on him so that Jonah could then release that message. He was preaching it all the way back then. Isn't that awesome? So the sign of Jonah, I mean, it really is the cross, but it's more than we think. It's, it's the sign of compassion. That's what he was trying to teach these Pharisees. This is a wicked and adulterous generation. You want a sign. What was he trying to teach them? Compassion. You, you talk about the fear of the Lord. That's awesome. It's a truth. Come on, what about his compassion, guys? What about love? You know, they, he talks about, you know, if, if this sheep falls in a ditch on the Sabbath, you're going to save it, right? What about saving these people who are much more important than sheep? That's love, guys. That's, that's the breaking of a religious spirit. That's the breaking of, of tradition over love. It's a beautiful thing. That's what he was teaching Jonah all the way back then. You see the, the last thing he says? I'm going to just turn to it. Um, it. I just love watching the way the father spoke to Jonah. It, was, it really wrecked me. I, I cried all day. <clears throat> So in verse 8, you see Jonah says, death is better to me than life. Guys, when we go through trial, when we go through testing, I like how Bill Johnson says it. He says um, that God will offend your mind to reveal your heart. So it's like what you're believing, what you meditate on, you manifest. And all of a sudden, Jonah was really manifesting what he was really believing. So then God said to Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up a son of the night and perished a son of the night. And should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference from their right hand between their left, as well as, come on guys, listen to this, as well as many animals. He even, he even loves animals. It's so amazing. I wrote in like huge all caps with exclamations point. God's heart is so great. That's the sign of Jonah. The sign of Jonah is compassion. The sign of Jonah is the cross. But guys, as you're going through this season, like if, if what I said makes sense, if you've been experiencing like a heightened level of spiritual warfare, Guys, if you've been experiencing anxiety or fear, you know, worry, all these things, um, you know, just over, too much concern about, you know, temporal things like finances and, and whatever, whatever. If you haven't noticed it as spiritual warfare, I'm telling you guys, it's not just you. When you said yes to the Lord, you signed up for an army. That doesn't mean that there aren't seasons for healing and for rest, but I'm telling you, when you recognize it, and step into it, you just engage in a battle 
And it's great because you get to sleep and rest. So uh, I just want to pray. Um, is that cool? Are we good? I just want to pray uh, for us to just really just, just be full of him and, and the spirit. I just want to ask the spirit. Holy Spirit, come. God, I just ask and I release grace over every person who hears my voice right now, Lord. And Lord, even the, the, the team and uh, all the interns, Jesus, that you just stretch out your hand of grace, Lord, and have mercy on them. Lord, I know that you said that we sow what we reap. So God, we ought to want to reap mercy or sow mercy so that we can reap it. Lord, I ask you for a revelation of the fear of the Lord, but Lord, I also ask you for a revelation of who you are in your fullness. When you came to Moses, you said, I'm uh, abounding in love, slow to anger. But you also said, Lord, that you would not uh, wait to return punishment on the guilty. Lord, we just ask you for the fullness of your heart. And Jesus, we say, in this season, God, we want to lock shields with you. We want to resist Satan and watch him flee. Jesus, I desire to see the kingdom of darkness destroyed, rubble on the side of the road. God, I ask you for grace and endurance and prayer, Lord, that we don't grow weary in well-doing. Holy Spirit, we say you're the most free, you're the most amazing person we've ever known. Lord, I just ask you to help us, Lord, instead of, instead of like Jonah, Lord, instead of running away from the stinky fish, Lord, instead of running away from Nineveh, God, help us to run to it. Jesus, what would that have looked like had Jonah given the full message? Father, we love you in Jesus' name. Um, if you guys, if anybody wants prayer, I can come up. <laughs>